Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello there. Today I am joined by a vocal manual therapist, vocal coach and published researcher who works with the Voice Care Centre in London and from her clinic in Oxford. Here to discuss with me all things massage, it's Lydia Flock. Hi Lydia, welcome to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. How are you? Hello, I'm great. I'm glad glad to be here and having this chat with you today. Yeah. Yeah, so excited to have you and get get to meet you finally. Um so let's dig right in. What led you to vocal massage and manual therapy? I kind of um stumbled into it a little bit. I to be honest, didn't know it existed until a few years ago. Basically, in the pandemic, I connected with Stephen King, who's also now I collaborate with him all the time. He's my boss at the Voice Care Center. Um, but I, to be honest, before meeting him, didn't know <laughs> that that people sought out vocal massage as a way of, um, you know, helping helping their voices. But as soon as I heard that this existed, I knew I need some of that, and I need to figure out how to either be involved or receive it, or I don't know. I just kind of I felt very drawn to it, and basically my connection with Steven, we just connected very well as colleagues. And he basically said, I think you could do this. Let's kind of create a role for you at the voice care center where I can train you in this and you can help with different uh, kind of day-to-day things. And so he, he really just, I guess, saw something in me and believed that I could do it. So I kind of just stumbled into it really. Um, and yeah, I can't believe that I'm doing this now, but I feel based on my own experiences as a singer um, that, uh, cause I experienced a voice injury when I was 17 and it really rocked my vocal identity and how I perceived myself as a singer, like in terms of my longevity, my stamina. Um, and I think the kind of psychological elements around you know, laryngeal guarding, holding different muscles. And I don't know, um, we can get kind of get into that (laughs) down the line. But the idea that a voice injury is not just a nod, you know, nodules or a polyp or something's happened, but there are actually so many intricate muscles around the larynx and muscles that are involved in voice and speech that respond to, you know, what's happened to us, you know, down even, you know, years down the line. So I feel like when I was 17, I think I would have really appreciated knowing that this was an option um, or that this was something that could help me because I was so anxious about my voice Mm. afterwards and like, just, yeah, didn't know how to take care of it. Didn't know how, how I got in that situation in the first place. Mm. Um, And so I think, yeah, I had quite a lot of holding patterns in my body as a result. Mm. So that's kind of the long story. <laughs> yeah. And I think that quite encapsulates what's, what the voice care center is doing, isn't it? It wants to come from lots of different angles, taking the whole picture into consideration um, and changing the journey of singers like yourself when you were 17, so that when that vocal injury does happen, it doesn't have to be quite as scary um, or mm. isolating. 
I mean, definitely. Like the idea two years ago that someone's going to touch your larynx, like that is just not something that I ever even heard of. Even when I was getting speech therapy, when I got scoped, no one, no one touched my larynx. And it was kind of just this thing, couldn't really see it, you know, unless you get scoped, I didn't really know what was going on inside. But it's like, actually, what I've learned doing this is that it's not that scary of an area. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's obviously not a place that we are touched frequently. <laughs> but, um, but it's not, um, it's just like any other anatomy in the body. Um, and so if, if that's true, then we can help release that and create kind of new patterns in the body. So what training did you have to do and what did that entail? So I did um, an intensive with Stephen King and he taught me how to do basically all of the vocal manual therapy kind of specifics. Um, and then after that, so I kind of specialized first and then uh, worked broad and did a separate uh, massage therapist qualification with uh, Jing massage in Brighton. And so that was um, over the course of several months. Um, and then now I'm doing another qualification for like advanced clinical massage, looking at lots of different pathologies throughout the body to just get a, a better understanding of pain science and, you know, how, how might something in the knee and foot relate to something that's going on, you know, further up the chain. So I've kind of done, yeah, I specialized first and then I started looking into, um, you know, the other broad qualifications as well afterwards. Mm. And how did it feel when you first touched another person's larynx? I was so nervous. <laughs> I remember, um, yeah, with Stephen, he was like, just just go for it. Like, don't don't worry so much. But I was like, I don't I don't want to break them. I don't want to. I don't know. But now it's it's it really feels you know, second nature. And I was even uh, teaching vocal massage, I was covering for Steven for one of his courses. And I was t telling them the same thing that I was so nervous and really, you know, barely touching the person. Um, but that as as you do it more, more often and get to know different people's anatomy, you get a sense of, you know, actually, it's not that it's not as invasive as you might think. And if you're just kind of lightly touching someone that is actually not as useful as, as actually doing the thing, um, if you know what I mean. <laughs> mm. And of course, every every person is going to be different and what you feel is going to probably vary in different degrees. Mm. But when you're feeling somebody's mm. larynx, what exactly are you looking for? What are you trying to manipulate? Mm. So I guess, I mean, there are, there are, there are lots of different facets of vocal manual therapy, and one of them is manipulation. So this is just kind of one element to the, the bigger picture, but there are different spaces in the larynx that were kind of, I guess the, the, the aim is to create space, potentially stretch some muscles. It's, it's really hard to be, we are specific, but um, there's so many muscle attachments in the larynx and it's already quite a small space. So we're trying to be as specific as possible but it's, it's actually difficult to know exactly which muscles you're going to affect. But I would say the main aim is creating space. Um, so potentially between the hyoid bone and the thyroid cartilage, 
seeing if we can open up a little bit more space there or above the hyoid bone in the kind of submandibular region or the cricothyroid, seeing if we can stretch the, the, the muscles in that area plus opening up space, kind of releasing any holding patterns. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Mm. Is it helpful to give like an example or? I'd love one, yeah, if you can share an anecdote, yeah. Yeah, well, so basically um, in the thyrohyoid space, um, so the larynx moves, it can move side to side if we move it side to side, but typically day to day, it's not going to move side to side. It will, uh, it can move up and down. So when we yawn, that thyroid cartilage is gonna drop down and the space between the thyroid cartilage and the hyoid bone is going to increase. And when we swallow, that thyroid cartilage is going to lift up and the space, uh, that thyrohyoid space is going to be smaller. So sometimes how this might affect the voice is if we've been talking for a long time or singing really high or really loud or for a long time, um, that what can happen is that we, that, that thyrohyoid space, maybe the thyroid cartilage has come up a little bit and then that space is just slightly smaller than it otherwise would be. And it kind of just stays there. Just like any other holding pattern you'd have in a muscle that was a little bit tense, it's just, it's shortened a bit. And so what we would aim to do with vocal manual therapy is see if we can get in that space and allow for um, the body to respond, letting go of that um, holding, thereby creating a bit more space, a bit more potential. Um, and usually that's a bit more comfortable in terms of singing, speaking, swallowing, lots mm. of different things. Mm. Great. And once you've done that, how long does that last for in terms of whilst a singer is maybe changing up their schedule or looking at certain technical elements of their voice how long would that last for after they've had a vocal massage i mean to be honest i don't know i've never researched that or um but in in kind of my anecdotal professional experience i would say you know People might want to come back in a month to to receive that kind of same experience, like for just kind of a general maintenance. Um, but it's yeah, it's really difficult to say because so many people, you know, if they're working through something uh, that's particularly challenging, it might come back quicker. It just kind of depends, like how long has that holding pattern been there? What mm -hmm. else is going on in this person's environment, their work? How are they feeling about these things? Um, so, I mean, I assume for some people it might just be a one and done, never need mm. to come back, but I, um, but it just depends on lifestyle and, and things like that. So many things to consider. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, I'm sad not to give like a hard and fast answer. It would be great if I could. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I want them all for everything that we do in voice, but yeah. you know, slowly realizing that ain't going to happen, Alexa, get over yeah. it. <laughs> There's, I wish there was a capital T truth but there, there isn't. <laughs> and how do you integrate this into what you do? Cause you're a voice coach as well. Do you sometimes mm. say, you know what, let's just have a little check out, hop up on the couch and we'll have a little feel, or do you separate those things? So we have a voice lesson, come back in a week and we'll go through manipulation. How do mm. you run that? Personally, I keep it quite separate. Um, I sometimes, depending on the client, might teach like a self-guided exercise in a lesson, like do some kind of stretch. Um, but for the most part, I also teach mostly online now. Um, 
since the pandemic. So I, I don't, I don't see people in person for singing lessons as much. Um, but I think also for me, because I've got my clinical practice that it feels quite, um, yeah, it feels like I'm shifting modes because I've got my whole note-taking system. Um, so I, I quite like having, having them separate, but I have seen some of my voice students, um, in person, they've come to see me in London or Oxford. Um, if that's, you know, something they want to explore, but mm. you know, not everybody does. Mm. And is that something that we could do as voice teachers? Could we kind of fully integrate it as part of the session, just having a little feel around and then afterwards see how it, how it compares? Yeah. So, um, Stephen and I were in Malaga teaching for the modern vocal training, um, level four, I think I need to double check that someone fact check me. Um, <laughs> but we were teaching singing teachers how to do some of these things and how they might incorporate it in their studios. And this is actually a huge part of the kind of vocal massage training element of voice care center is that we usually work with voice teachers that are looking to kind of incorporate a bit of hands on. Um, and often that is the, you know, ideal way of doing that. It's that, you know, they maybe haven't done like a full on massage qualification, but they want to have some knowledge of the anatomy and how this might be affecting their students and what they're working on. So um, a lot of people will then integrate that into their studios, kind of do a, um, you know, combination lesson or something like that, where there's mm. there's a bit of hands on. Mm. So it's definitely definitely possible. And um, I would even, you know, encourage people to you know, seek out that or contact vocal massage training if if they're they're interested in that because I think it is really empowering for coaches. I know I felt I feel like I'm a different coach now, um, mm. knowing all this. Um, but I also think it's really important for singers who are keen to know that information about anatomy and how um, you know the different musculature around the larynx can affect their voice because I think it can really feel at least for, I know before I did any of my coaching trainings or the manual therapy, I really didn't know much about my voice. Um, yeah. I just kind of prayed to the vocal gods and hoped it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone said I was talented once and then I just hoped that that was true forever. Um, mm. And, um, you know, the voice is always changing. So I, you know, I quickly learned that it's not, you can't just be like, what is talent? We can go into that. <laughs> That's a whole other philosophical thing, but you know, yeah. our voices are, yeah, constantly changing and adapting and responding to our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the vocal massage training. Can you um, also tell us how, how else we can get into this? How else we can maybe learn to be a manual therapist and where to look? I mean, I know Stephen does uh, training. I think, um, Charlie Ward also does training, um, uh, some trainings. I'm not sure how frequently he's running them, but Stephen runs them quite regularly. I'm stepping in to do more, more trainings, um, from this August and next year. Um, so I know we've got, you know, that going on and we run them in, um, intensive form. So it's, I think it's like a 10 day intensive format or else, um, we also have kind of in smaller stages, like two days over the course of several months. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be my kind of recommendation for the voice stuff. I know Walt Fritz also does some trainings in America. He's like going all over the place. If you've got listeners in America. Um, 
and those those are my the main people that I'm thinking of. But in terms of um, regular massage, I trained at Jing um, Advanced Massage Training. They're great. They have a really good um, comprehensive introduction to massage qualification, basically like just to get you um, insured, understanding kind of full body. Um, the course is Body Works Beginnings. Um, and it was really, really comprehensive and and taught me a lot about the power of touch and intention with touch. And um, I practice a lot on my partner because we were still kind of in lockdown, <laughs> lockdown days. And my partner noticed a huge difference from when I took that course versus before when I had just done the stuff with Steven um, about my touch and how that had, yeah, how that had shifted. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jing have a lot of, you know, I'm doing my, my other training with Jing as well. So I, I definitely recommend them um, as a good mm -hmm. kind of intro, you know, they've got intro options, but also kind of more full on, like the course I'm doing is a full year. You can also do like a whole three-year course. So it's, they have lots of different options, um, really good anatomy knowledge um, and pathologies. So would recommend them as kind of my main mm. um, place to go if people are, you know, wanting to do that deep dive. Yeah. And you mentioned insurances there. Mm. What sort of insurances would we need in place to practice this? So it depends on where you are, um, where like your country. And um, so I can really only speak for for England, um, where I'm insured. Um, and I think Stevens connected with Westminster Indemnity Insurance, um, but you basically just need insurance to do what you're doing. So if you've just trained in vocal massage, then you just get insurance to do that. Um, and then if you know you're doing other stuff like me got a few other things that i'm insured for as well um but you'll you definitely want to have insurance like i would not recommend like i mean you just shouldn't <laughs> practice without <laughs> without it um but it's you know you don't have to be a you don't you don't have to have done the whole jing um course to get insurance mm. at least in england okay great and who are you treating mainly and and when as voice coaches should we be encouraging somebody to see someone like yourself hmm so at uh so i guess there there are kind of two camps of people um obviously there's a lot of nuance within those camps um but i would say if i was to kind of generalize put people into groups we've got a group of people that are elite singers or voiceover artists or you know very enthusiastic hobby singers who sing a lot and use their voices a lot um who are coming for vocal maintenance sessions so just kind of a little tlc for the voice making sure that things are going okay kind of managing any holding patterns that might have come up for them um so that's kind of one camp of people then our other camp of people is, um, or, you know, people who are experiencing voice difficulties, whether that's a pathology or just kind of um, something else um, within that. That could also be elite singers or, you know, professional voice users. But a lot of the times it's just kind of people who don't sing that are just experiencing some speaking voice issues. Muscle tension dysphonia is very, very common, um, something that we see. Um, 
but that's what I would say in terms of kind of the general camps. But I also sometimes see people that just want to experience vocal massage and they heard about it, you know, um, they may, they might not fall into those camps, but, um, generally that's, it's either like vocal health or vocal health maintenance. Hmm. And is there an age limit to people that you see? Mm -mm, No, I mean, I, I would say we typically don't treat people that are under 18. Like that's less common. Um, but I've seen people as young as 15, um, but parental consent and the parents or guardian is in the room the whole time. Um, but it is possible to work with younger singers and certainly older singers as well. Um, yeah, Mm. it's kind of, it doesn't really, it knows no limits. (laughs) And you've mentioned, especially on your website, on your Oxford clinic website, you explain how you don't subscribe to a no pain, no gain mentality. Mm. Um, so does the vocal massage hurt or should it hurt or why is it that some vocal massages are painful yeah so it's it's interesting because i didn't i didn't know that they that people did experience painful massages i had to be told this i didn't know um because i wouldn't assume that a massage would be painful unless i'm you know i guess there are some like sports massage where people you know will apply quite a lot of force and pressure. Um, but I kind of heard about it through Steven and and through um, clients that I've had who've asked me, is this going to hurt or is this going to be painful? Um, and to that, I say, no, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be painful. And it's, I, I don't believe it should be painful for me personally. Like if I went into a massage knowing that someone was going to recreate pain in my larynx either if that's like a familiar pain or or an unfamiliar pain the the thought of that actually makes me feel sick um i don't feel like that is healing at all um you know maybe for some people they 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 find that useful um but but that kind of uh for me it's it's definitely not what we what i like to say and um kind of at the voice care center, I, I look at what what's useful for you. And basically what that means is, do you perceive that we're moving away from the things that we're experiencing in the voice that we don't want and moving towards the things that we would like to experience in our voices, whether that's moving away from tension and moving to freedom or you know something else. But I like to use that kind of language, usefulness, or you know, does this feel productive? Um, also does this feel safe? <laughs> um, so that it's a mutual, you know, journey. Cause you know, I know what, based on what someone tells me, I might think, oh, you know, this, this might be really helpful for them. This might be helpful for them. But if I do that and it's not useful, then, then either, you know, I change my position or we, we just don't explore that because it's, it's what they're telling me, um, which is the most important thing. And so if more pressure is more useful for a person, then yeah, I'll add more pressure, but I don't believe it has to hurt to help. I don't, I don't believe that, um, you know, actually quite, quite gentle things can be really, um, effective and have quite a long lasting effect as well. Um, but I think it's an interesting narrative that is apparently in the world Mm -hmm. that, really shocked me when I heard about that. I, um, 
yeah, I'm really, yeah, sad to hear that people come away from vocal massage feeling scared when this is like, it's a very intimate part of ourselves. You know, our voices are not just muscles and anatomy, like, of course they are, but they are also a, a place where, you know, feelings are communicated through. Mm. It's a vessel of communication where we express joy, sadness, anger, um, passion. So it, anxiety, you know, there's so many things that our voice is as well. And so I feel like the voice, you know, needs to be treated with delicacy and care and mutual consent mm. um, to, to figure out, okay, actually, what is your body going to respond best to? What's the most useful for you? Not mm. what I think, but, you know, let's go on that journey together. Mm. And as you explained there, that, that vessel of communication and how much we harbor there, I like that, by the way, really enjoyed that, um, matched with the power of touch mm. can be quite an overwhelming experience. Um, how do you deal with or manage when that opens the floodgates and mm. stuff just pours out? Like myofascial release is kind of very gentle, isn't it? And um, I remember having the experience with um, craniosacral therapy with a mm. lady called Carolyn Lawrence. Um, and I just sobbed afterwards and I didn't, I didn't understand why I wasn't expecting to sob. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't putting it on. It just yeah. happened and I didn't, I, I couldn't quite get to grips with it. So how, how do you manage that if that happens? Mm. So I usually contract that at the beginning of a session. So if someone's never had a vocal massage before, I have a whole spiel of things I list off that they can expect to potentially happen in the treatment. And then the last thing I say is something that can also happen is um, there can be an emotional release component or an emotional kind of response. Um, and so I say, if that happens, you know, please know that you are in control of the, the treatment at all times. Um, you can stop the treatment at any time, regardless of an emotional response, either by verbalizing that, can we pause, or just holding up a stop sign with your hand and we can stop. Um, and I'll also say, I, if that happens, you know, I'll be guided by you. You can run out of the room. You can kick me out of the room. We can sit on the floor and cry. I will be guided by you. This should feel like your space. Um, and, you know, I, you know, responding to your needs and, and whatever that is. It doesn't come up that that kind of heavy, heavy responses is, is less common, um, but it's I've certainly seen it happen. Um, and sometimes it is sitting on the floor mm. <laughs> with just some Kleenex and just, you know, listening, um, because it is, you know, it's interesting what we hold in our bodies and what, what can sometimes surprise us and come out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on that path, there's been some research that you have done, especially with, um, Stephen King, as we've mentioned mm -hmm. quite a bit in this in this talk, get a shout out Stephen. Yeah, um, shout out many times. And <laughs> <laughs> um, one paper which you co-authored with uh, with Stephen was looking at how this laryngeal manipulation can help manage symptoms of laryngopharyngeal reflux. Have I said that correctly? Yes, yeah. <laughs> AKA oh, LPR, so you don't have to say it every time. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I should have just gone with that. LPR. <laughs> LPR. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> Can you just explain the difference between LPR and then GERD? Is there a difference between them? 
Yes. Yeah, so, so basically, they're essentially the same thing with gastric contents coming up. Um, but with LPR, there's not the kind of regurgitation element um, happening. So it's, it's, um, or, and heartburn. So it's potentially like you're getting all the other symptoms of reflux, like hoarseness is very, very common, dryness, um, lots of kind of feelings of like post-nasal drip, um, throat mucus, like you're experiencing those symptoms more than you, than you would, you know, be aware of heartburn. Um, so you mm-hmm. wouldn't see that with LPR. And with those managing LPR, is it the same as managing GERD, the same sort of like managing your diet, um, head raised on the bed, that sort of thing, or are they different? Um, that's a good question. I'm I'm definitely more familiar with LPR than GERD, but I do feel like in my experience, I mean, someone else might disagree with me, but in my experience, um, they are quite treated they are, you know, treated similarly mm-hmm. in terms of um, prescription of PPIs like omeprazole um, to suppress acid. Um, you know, changing your your diet. Yeah, people will um, suggest that. You know, don't don't drink um, before, like you know, don't drink alcohol before you go to sleep and mm-hmm. um, have a big nuts. I've just go got a prosecco chilling. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Change your plans. Yeah, have to be water. Yeah, have to be water. Um, but yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's interesting because LPR and you know GERD, both of them are very complex, and um, both are exacerbated by stress and mm-hmm. and things. So it's it's um, yeah, it's interesting, and and it can be you know individually expressed in people. You know, lots of people will experience LPR and GERD very differently. Mm-hmm. And so what did your research entail and what did you notice about using laryngeal manipulation for this? Mm. So I guess to give you a bit of backstory. So basically, Stephen had done this research in 2019, I believe, um, and he had done it as part of his postgrad diploma. um, And so he, he did all of the data collection and basically kind of just like let this research sit for a while and he'd kind of incorporate this into um his vocal massage training um but i said to him i was like i think we should get this published you have all the data you did all the things let's write this up um and he was like okay let's do it so um basically i helped you know go through the data do some analysis um and um so steven used five different moves which is quite small. Um, The whole protocol took 11 minutes to administer. Um, It wasn't so it is we called it vocal manual therapy because it was not just around the larynx. We also had a diaphragm uh, manipulation as well. Um, But yeah, five moves. And over the course of six weeks, um, we used the reflux symptom index as our kind of main the way of measuring, you know, subjective um, symptoms, uh, there was a decrease in the RSI for both participants. So we only had two people in the study. It's a pilot study, um, but it was, uh, yeah. So so basically, the the RSI decreased over time um, over the course of six weeks with just eleven minute uh, 
an 11 minute protocol, mm. which is pretty cool. Um, I think, and, you know, obviously it's a very small study and, and I think, um, if we were to do more, I think it would be great to incorporate more people and um, potentially get some objective measures in there as well. Not just looking at the RSI, but it is very promising, I would mm -hmm. say, in terms of um, you know how people are experiencing LPR and um, you know the potential, basically, for vocal manual therapy to to positively change someone's experience. Mm. And is there somewhere where we can read that in full? So it's going to be published in the Journal of Singing, um, which they have quite a long publication process. So it was accepted last year, but it's not going to be published until 2023 in April, I believe, oh, wow. which is a very, very long time. Um, but, you know, if people want to to email me or Stephen, I'm sure we'd be happy to kind of share um, the kind of basic stuff. <laughs> um, but it is... Uh, a bit of a shame that it's not going to be, you know, officially out there, but it will be in the next, you know. Year. It will be here before you know it. I mean, Christmas <laughs> it will is be. around the corner, Lydia. In six months. <laughs> Can't wait. No, but yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it is coming. It is coming. And if anyone wants to talk to me about it, I'm very happy to like send you kind of um, things, you yeah. know, the kind of basic awesome. stuff. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit and ask you, if you could kind of give a lowdown on some of your favorite voice resources, Ooh. whether that's anatomy based or singing technique based, other than singing teachers talk podcast, of course, <laughs> that's just a given. Uh, yeah, what would you what would you kind of put down as your favorite resources? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I think Google Scholar is just my favorite resource because you have access to everything, uh, everything you need. Um, and I don't know if everybody knows this. I did share this on my Oxford Vocal Massage Instagram page, but on Google Scholar, if you click on see all X versions of this paper, there's usually a, a version of it that's in a PDF so that you can view it because often, you can only see like a preview if you're not subscribed to some some journal or um, like you have to pay, I don't know, something. Mm -hmm. um, but you can usually get a PDF copy of most papers out there, um, which is great. So I would say that's definitely my favorite, favorite resource because you can find things about singing, manual therapy, like literally anything, mm -hmm. anything. Um, but in terms of... Um, I mean, there's so there's so many things. Vocal health education, I think, is great. Um, they've got a podcast as well, which is good. Um, but all of their courses are are really really helpful and comprehensive. I feel like for any voice practitioner, whether you're a coach, speech therapist, manual therapist, but it just um, you know they're constantly asking really interesting questions, and um, those courses have been really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I love the Singing Athlete that book. Mm -hmm is great. I feel like it's got, you know, everything you need to know about, you know, vocal anatomy in there, but also as a, a teacher, um, it's quite nice um, as well. And um, where can people find out more about you and get in touch with any questions that they might have? Yeah, um, I would say email is probably the best way to reach me at the moment. I've been kind of 
taking a bit of a vacation from social media at the moment. <laughs> um, so you can email me at uh, Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A, at OxfordVocalMassage.co.uk or my voice care center one is also fine. Um, but you can also reach me on social media at Oxford Vocal Massage or at Fluxstars Coaching, which is my, my coaching Instagram. Amazing. Well, Lydia, thank you so much. I've had the best time hanging out with you and learning all about vocal massage. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. So did that whet your appetite? Want more of where that came from? Then quench your thirst for knowledge by nerding out in our store where you can purchase a whole host of specialist educational videos for singing teachers, from building your business to fixing vocal faults. Or join our membership to get access to them all in your own geeky CPD library. Head over to www.basttraining.com forward slash store to get going. That's www.basttraining.com forward slash store.